When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. DG, if you don't mind, um, when Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift mm. break up, mm-hmm. do you mind, like, you know, trying to go after her and, you know, because, I mean, she brought some ratings to Fox, you know what I mean? Um, you know, there's a problem there. Oh, I know, I know, I know, you know. Well, you got to do it for the show. Who's single? AJ, you single? AJ, go Hit up Taylor Swift after uh, AJ and Travion go after and Travion. Yeah, yeah. Travion. They go after Taylor Swift, and we'll not. We'll do radio and TV. We'll get that as a, a show. I mean, Fox's numbers were just insanely through the roof. The Crazy. Swifties wanted to see Taylor sitting next to Travis Kelsey's mom. I, you know, I saw like pictures of Travis Kelsey's mom throughout the game. It had appeared as like she was getting a little bit more annoyed as the game went on. Maybe it was a little too noisy in the box or something. I don't know. Taylor Swift had a lot of friends there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I also did see it the, uh, towards the end of the game, uh, T. Swift was uh, picking up trash in the box and throwing it away. I was I like, saw okay. That, too. that okay. was not, That was really nice, man. I thought, that's cool. She's grounded, you know. I just, how surreal <laughs> must that be for like Travis Kelsey's mom? Like, dude, this is weird. This is. Well, listen. I what's her name? Donna. Uh-huh. I mean, she was on top of the world when the Super Bowl. You know, yes. Oh, back yeah. in February, and both mm-hmm. of her kids are playing in it, mm-hmm. and everybody wants to talk to her. She became a celebrity of her she own did? during that time. I don't know what happened to Dad. <laughs> Dad was uh, he was holding the bags. Let's put it that way. That's right. While she was taking pictures with the media. <laughs> now she's another media darling once again, dude. What? Just seriously. The pictures of them driving around Kansas City like afterwards. Like, it's like it was prom night. Crazy, dude. The, the, the convertible and crazy. rolling up to a pizza joint. Uh, yeah, it was prom night in Kansas City for those two. We're going to Chili's. And they shut down like a uh, like a pizza place, mm-hmm. went up to the top floor or whatever, separate part of the restaurant and paid for everybody's food. Like, we'll pay for it, but you guys got to get out. Deal. I'm Deal. like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then there were the rumors that they were in Lawrence. Ugh. Wasn't that wild? I'm a throw like, up. Peop- well, like, I, it's document, I guess, that Taylor Swift has a friend in Lawrence oh. or whatever. Oh. And they were at Tallgrass, or not Tallgrass, uh, Free State. Mm-hmm. Free State. And, like, there are, like, hundreds of people outside. Wait, wait. The family got in on this? Free State. Free State's uh, tied to 
mom's side of the family. Dude, you have Down the, the line. You got to call them. Call I'm, them right I'm, now. That I'm was something that flew ever over everybody's heads. Dude, I, get them on the phone right now. Wow. Okay. You own your family owns Free State? Uh one of mom's cousins is a is part of that couple, yes. Like, hey, was uh, T Swift down there? And they're like, no, that was just a rumor. Okay, bye. Clay. All right, welcome yeah, to right. the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, AJ Shaw running our board today. 537 1350 is the number if you want to chime in. We're only on for an hour today. Uh, we're at a five. It's the last uh, interruption we'll have of the Royals this year. Even though they play, uh, what, 540 tomorrow? We're going to bring you a full show. We're going to bring you a full show tomorrow because we have the Chris Kleiman show coming up at seven o'clock tomorrow. Uh, and we will, of course, uh, you know, we'll take a look at the uh, Big 12 schedule that was announced for Case Damon's basketball today and uh, some takeaways from that. Uh, and I'll, we'll end you with uh, some Jabroni of the Week and some Ask Us Anything before we wrap her up. But, uh, of course, Coach Kleiman had his weekly press conference, even though it is a bye week. Coach talking to the media, not a whole lot of people showed up. It was a smaller <laughs> crowd, as in Troy didn't show up. To the press conference, he decided to take the afternoon off. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, there's free lunch. Why would you skip on free lunch? Well, because in part because you know where the fact that I'm out all of next week. He he needs to pack. And so taking care of details, man. Got to take care Tied of details. Up loose ends. I mean, this this thing kind of came together very quickly. He's calling the newspaper. Says, hey, nah. we don't need deliveries next week. Hold our mail. <laughs> you know. Something along those lines, yeah. Uh-huh. Making sure the uh, the answering machine is empty. Erased. A new answering machine message. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Taylor. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get to... Uh, Man, we're not landing our jokes uh, no. so far, guys. We need, no. to, we need to step up our game here a little bit. Uh, Chris Kleiman talking in the media. Just a few moments ago, a few hours ago at the Veneer Football Complex, big focus during the bye week, secondary. Playing hard in the secondary, we're making some plays. We're not making probably as many as we would like to make, um, and still our focus is, it needs to be on eliminating the explosive play, and that's what uh, some of the things that we're going to do this week with our practices. We'll have some good-on-good good K-State versus K-State. We'll have some young guys K-State versus K-State, and we'll also push the envelope and start working on some Oklahoma State. I'll go to you guys for this because you know, Wyatt and I had a big conversation about this. I'd like to get a couple of other opinions on the secondary in giving up big plays. K-State in the last two games against Mizzou and against UCF have given up six plays of over 40 yards. There were two against UCF, and one of them was for 69 yards, and that was a flea flicker. I mean, that was some trickery. I will say it was well done by UCF and and K-State's secondary bit extremely hard and fell for it. Yeah. But after four games, you got a lot of new guys back there. We'll start with Troy. How big of a concern right now is into the bye week, secondary still giving up some pretty big plays? I would be concerned about it, especially in a league that likes to throw as much as it does. You still have on the schedule teams that are going to take advantage of that if you continue to show signs of doing such as they did on the flea flicker, and that is putting your eyes where they don't belong in that moment and not keeping an eye on what's in front of you. There were a couple plays, especially in the first half, where I was like, I hope the UCF quarterback goes and plays the lotto tonight. There was that one pass that he just chucked up in the air. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I mean, 
There were some big plays that were like, this is unreal what's happening here. And then I felt like we kind of locked it down in the second half. I'm okay with the occasional big play, especially with a young group of guys. I hope that they take this the last few weeks and learn from it instead of beating themselves up about it. You gave up some big plays. There's no doubt about that. Let's learn from it, and, and let's learn how not to do that anymore. But I don't think anybody was looking at this team and saying, this is the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. It, you know, it's, it's just they're not going to not give up big plays with how young they are. It's part of it, man. Well, I thought uh, you brought up a decent point yeah. there of just, you know, you hope they learn from their mistakes. Yeah. And they made some pretty crucial mistakes. And, you know, why I brought it up yesterday, and I didn't even catch it, but I don't know who did really. But Kobe Savage and VJ Payne switched positions and maybe were there more natural at the safety positions. And they were a little bit better, maybe a little bit better of communication. But also keep in mind, UCF has, I mean, some pretty solid athletes at wide receiver, not just fast, but they're strong. I mean, I was a little bit jealous of how well their wide receivers would block on some of those slip screens mm-hmm. that K-State likes to run as well, and the yeah. blocking just hasn't been as good. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit more aggressive. They do a solid job of getting open. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're right. They started to make a few more plays in the secondary in the second half. You know, in the second half against UCF, I mean, K-State scored on all four of their drives. Mm-hmm. UCF did not. They mm-hmm. scored on their first and they scored with a second to go. <laughs> you know, Ugh. most of that second half, it was Cats taking control of the game. One of the things that, to me, stood out in that aspect was that K-State did a much better job at getting pressure up front Yeah, as the second half wore on. They were able to load it up more than maybe what they thought they were going to be able to do to guard against the rush early on. Instead, they were able to pin their ears back and, and go after the quarterback. And Khalid Duke... He mentioned that after the game where they, they were getting more pressure mm-hmm. in the second half. And you saw Timmy McLean start to scramble a lot more. Yes. And you could also see McLean's confidence in his scrambling ability to move around. Like, he would feel the pressure and he just sprints yeah. out of there. Yeah. Or he'll spin out of a tackle. But also, you know, Clint also mentioned that in that second half, they did a better job of not just getting pressure where – you know, he's juking all over the place and on the run. He's a hard, t- hard guy to tackle. He might be the toughest quarterback to tackle in the Big 12 yeah. when it comes to scrambling. But they also threw off his focus. And his focus wasn't necessarily as pinpoint looking down the field, where he was able to rip it and maybe get some lucky plays like he did in the first half that Deej brought up. It was it was amazing. His ability to just go, oh, someone's open down there, was crazy. But you can also tell that he doesn't have the presence that – they want out of out of their starting at quarterback. Reese is a much steadier hand in the pocket. Or Rice, John Sorry. John Rice Plumley. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I I was blanking on the name, but yes, the point it's being, like, are we talking old KU games? Yeah. Uh, the the point being though Reese. that you you can tell why he's the backup for the moment because Plumley's got more of a pocket presence than than what he does. Well, and. And I think it was Khalid also said it as well. He brought up a good point. I didn't even think about it where because they're down to their second string quarterback. And honestly, like, why and I were talking off air, like, Tim McClain might at the end of the day, at the end of their careers, be a better quarterback than John Rice Plumley in two games. Plumley was making some bad mistakes. Sure. Like, he was throwing some balls he shouldn't. Tim McClain had one really dumb pass, and it was easily picked off. Uh, by Jacob Parrish and you know and that was where he was scrambling he was coming towards the sideline he just kind of got rid of it and made a really poor decision 
Didn't make a whole lot of those in the game. Um, I, I want to. I'm blanking on my other point there, so maybe it'll come back to me. Good but to know it's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I wanted to say something else that Khalid Duke brought up, but now I'm blanking on it. But anyway, let's go ahead and jump to our next clip. Another part of the bye week is about getting healthy, and of course, now is the time to do that. This is our one shot at trying to get ourselves as healthy as we can, but we also need continuity with the O-line. be easy to say we should shelve Duff. You can't. He needs continuity um, with the offensive line. be easy to say let's give uh, Austin Moore and Dez all the time off. They need continuity with uh, Jake Clifton. We won't probably have as, as many reps for those guys because of, of the young guys' work that we'll do in the middle of practice, but they're also not going to have what they've typically had on a Saturday of getting – a lot of that time off. And attack on top of that, you may have noticed, you know, of course, Treshawn Ward didn't play, but may have noticed that RJ Garcia didn't really go much. Coach, update on those two, expecting them to be ready for Oklahoma State. Neither one practiced yesterday, but uh, our hope is that both of them are back at least sometime limited, either today, tomorrow, or Thursday, the three days we're practicing. Yeah, again, the surprise was Treshawn Ward, a running back, of course. And uh, I also have the question, you know, does... You know, DJ's success against UCF maybe change how many carries these two guys are going to get once Treshawn Ward is back. I mean, they were committed to get DJ Giddens the football, mm-hmm. and he proved that he's ready for heavy workload. I mean, a guy that gets 30 carries in a game is unheard of anymore. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen anymore. Right. That's an old-school thing to do. Yeah. But they were limited. And I also think that because of DJ's success – that we didn't say Avery Johnson. Mm-hmm. They kept Avery Johnson on the sideline because they didn't need a backup plan to run the football. Right. And if if DJ's not doing well, or you know maybe the offensive line isn't you know it's not working out as much as they would have hoped with DJ being just such a strong runner, and we really showed. I think DJ had his best game of showing off his talent uh, of running the football. That they would need the backup plan into the game. And I mentioned on Power K Game Day, and I think I brought it up to you guys. Like I was thinking, like. You know, this could be a game as they expand the role for Avery Johnson. He would get maybe 10 carries. Right. Or we would see him throw the football a little bit. We didn't see him for one play. Right. And I thought that was a bit of a surprise. Especially on the heels of the uh, Missouri game where he was utilized as much as he was. Yeah. And Will Howard's banged up. Right. (laughs) And Will Howard plays the whole game. That was a weird game because it didn't go down as the way I think any of us would have expected when it comes to a game plan. But if you're, I mean, if you're the coaches, you'll definitely take that because you didn't have to dig too deep in your schemes, other than trying to break out that, you know, trick play that was read better by UCF than when K State was reading their trick play. I know, you know that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. God, they knew. Try to get him back, and it didn't yeah, work. They knew yeah. it. Uh, you know, DJ Giddens, he's probably like this is like Junction City days. I'm carrying the ball. They're carrying the rock thirty times. Um, he, uh, I know that even K-State had no clue. They had no clue what they were going to get uh, from DJ. I mean, they know he's talented, and they know he's amazing, and he's a great kid, but it was apparent from the first drive that he was really feeling himself. And, it, I mean, impossible to bring down at some some runs. And it was just like a beautiful thing to watch, man. It really was. Well, and, and – to touch on the the running uh, the uh, wide receivers part of this, you know, R.J. Garcia, we didn't see him after the first drive. And Coach mentioned at the press conference today, something had happened during the week 
and it was a lower body injury. I don't know what it was. Like, I don't know, just kind of like get, like it could be a hamstring or something like that where he just needs a little bit of time mm. and he'll be fine. It's not a big deal. Just wasn't really available for 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 the game against UCF. But, you know, at the same time, point out another couple of things that I've noticed. You know, Keegan Johnson probably does need a little bit more time to get healed up and he's not playing 100%. But I also need to see a more aggressive Keegan Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most aggression I've seen out of his route running or getting to the football was when he cut off Phillip Brooks to bring back a kick return. <laughs> and I was like, it, I was in our booth, like next to my spotter. I was like, Keegan, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you just cut off the best return guy we have. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Although I won't lie, he did have a decent return. It looked great. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. Well, and Phillip, like, I was like, I guess I got to block somebody. Well, I can't because you're in front of me and you're kind of cutting me off from the guys I should be blocking. Dude, making me look bad. It was kind of funny, bad. but I could tell, like, there were some guys getting after him about uh, cutting off Phil. Meanwhile, Keegan was trying to argue, like, somebody brushed my face mask. There was a face mask on the play. <laughs> and we did get, but I got to see more aggressive route running from Keegan Johnson. When, when Will threw that interception, boy, that was a play that Keegan just has to outmuscle that corner because, they're, you know, the corner's chipping him a little bit, maybe pulling on his shoulder pads a little bit. You know, Keegan's got to fight through that. You can't let the guy beat you like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we'll see a more aggressive Keegan Johnson down the road. But I got to say, Jaden Jackson through four games has blown my mind about how good he's been. He's a real deal, man. Like, I, you, you know, other than Phillip Brooks, I think Phil's been, you know, he could do a better job of maybe making some cuts and getting some bigger plays after catches, but he's also been taking some big hits after catches, yeah. and he's hanging on to the football. I yeah. love that. Jaden and just beating the defender – and getting enough space that Will can just laser one in and catch it, he's had some sure hands. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, he on a couple of touchdown passes to the end zone that was a little bit long, Will just missed Jaden a couple of times, and you know that may have taken two touchdowns mm-hmm. away from DJ Giddens and Jaden Jackson as a two-touchdown game. Mm-hmm. You know, Will was a little bit off in some of his passing, so that's another thing they're going to try to shore up of, of Will Howard not you know trying to force it in there too much and take what the defense gives you survey the field, not be just committed to one side of the field. Because if you look at the other side of the field, which maybe Will should have done a little bit more against UCF, you're going to see an open guy like Garrett Oakley a couple of times, a backup tight end who's finally now playing. You know, if Will sees him, those are some easy scores. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to take a break. And when we come back, uh, some K-State basketball news. The Big 12 schedules are out. We knew who the opponents were going to be, obviously, because it's Big 12 play. But where the Cats are going, who they're going to have a home-and-home with, or home-and-away, really. We now got the dates, we got the times, we got the TV destinations. Some takeaways from K-State's schedules coming up next on The Game. Is picking the Walking Dead theme, is that of any significance to this, the show? Is it just a random choice? Halloween's coming up soon. Hmm. Oh, fair, fair. Lindsay will appreciate that. Hey, yeah, did she did she watch the whole thing? Did she ju- did she drop out at any point? Uh, the game? No, or The what? Walking Dead. I don't know if she's ever watched it. I've never watched it, other than an episode or two. Oh, I thought you meant like she would appreciate that. You're saying well, she, she appreciates, appreciates the, the early, you know, Halloween 
talk mm-hmm. or the Halloween celebrating. I uh, one my my oldest loves loves the inflatable Halloween guys at like Menards, you know, they, and they have like massive. Have you have you seen these things? No. Motion activated, and they're like gobble. Like, I'm going to kill you. She loves them. She always wants to go see the Halloween guys. The little one freaking, freaking hates oh, yeah. them. Yeah. Ah, and I'm like, oh, God. The look on her face is pure terror. And the other one's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, she's a little creep. I've, I've told you about my friend back in uh, Virginia who has the 10-foot-tall skeleton outside the house. Oh, yeah. And basically they've let it stand because they've got a toddler who loves Jack Skellington. <laughs> And so they let it stand the whole year and went through the whole year decorating it for the holidays, specifically. Oh, rad. And, and of course, what happens, as everything happens in this day and age, someone on next door starts complaining. Oh. Then here come, comes the letters. Ugh. Here come the emails. Here come the nasty grams. And it was just the neighbors that had a problem with it, the direct neighbors. Everybody else was like, cool. Man, that's great. That you know. Sucks. Yeah, so it was hilarious. They they even went so far as calling code enforcement on him to try and get him to take it down. And the code enforcement gal goes, are you kidding? That rocks. It looks awesome. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, it's a 10-foot. You're only allowed an 8-foot. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. so, so we've been conniving ways that they could enhance Jack Skellington going That's forward. awesome. Lindsay is all about, like, decorating early yeah. like she was like over the weekend like let's watch a scary movie i'm just like i love halloween don't get me wrong but it just feels right to start doing that stuff when we get to october me too you know what i mean yeah like and i don't mind you know some early setup or whatever yeah you know put yeah. the fall colors out there we're officially in fall now for sure but the, the like the true halloween stuff like I can't get in the right mindset until October 1st gets me, here. You know what I mean? Me either. And I, I don't mind setting up for any holiday because that means whatever that holiday's goodies are, you get to eat them while you're doing Like Halloween, setting up the stuff, that means candy. You get to crush a bunch of candy. That's what I'm in. Let's go. Let's put fake spider webs up. Let's put 10-foot skeletons. A headless guy, you know, let's do it. AJ, what was it like uh, celebrating Halloween in like downtown Chicago, wherever you lived? Did you go house to house in your neighborhood and get big candy? So I stopped doing Halloween about, I'd say about 10 years ago. Uh, in the place I lived, it was about as standard a Halloween as you're going to get. Uh, there were not a lot of people that would come out, but we get, we'd have years where a lot of kids would come to the house. Morganville did this thing and i'm sure most people have heard of it by now called trunk or treat oh yeah, oh, yeah. where everybody in town just parks their car downtown mm-hmm. and decorates their car or their trunk or whatever and you just get candy out of the trunk and i'm like that is the lamest thing <laughs> you could do on halloween oh i think it's so in manhattan they have little trunk or treats like the little uh, elementary school up here in northview they do a trunk or treat in their parking lot and I'm like, that's cool because that's another way to get candy. I'm all about opportunities for the candy. I, I do. I don't mind an opportunity to get a lot of candy at the same time. But if you just go trunk, 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 and 20 minutes later, your night's over. Yeah, lame. That is lame. Lame. You got to get more trunks. You got to get more trunks. And then you got to hit up the Aggieville Halloween. Oh, boy. Everybody's out. All the businesses, they get all the candy. And it's college kids. And so they're like 
crazy, you know? So they're just like slamming candy in the bags. Oh, I love it. Love it. Oh, got Halloween for candy now. Me too. Oh, Ooh, boy. Lindsay, with the tease yesterday, broke out some Twix, like nice. the fun size. I'm yep. like, all right, we're, we're easing into it now. This is a good way. This is a good way. Mm-hmm. We had that conversation recently, by the way, amongst a group of us here at the station. Brandon's daughter ate a Twix as a straight out, just snapped it out of the, like it was a standard candy bar. Both sides at once. Oh, like the two sticks, like took a bite out both at uh-huh. the same time. Uh-huh. She plays like, my own rules. Uh, I was like, what a monster. She's playing it fast and loose, man. What a monster. You just That's when he said, and he go, tell me, what's what's going on? What's, what kind of a child are you raising? I mean, I'm not going to lie. If somebody takes a Kit Kat, like four stick Kit Kat, and just takes a big bite out of it without breaking the sticks off, the they hell? deserve to get it slapped out of their hands. For sure. I go, okay, Mr. Attention Wanter. <laughs> I, you got my attention. What is it? What happened? Tell me about it. Just that's not how you eat a Kit Kat, okay? Come on, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. But the Twix says I've never heard of that. That, that yeah, that is the first a new one, dude. That's great. That's fantastic. All right, let's get to uh, K State men's basketball. Their conference schedule is out, so we knew two months ago on where K State would be playing, who would they be playing home and away, or home only, or away only. I'll give you that breakdown once again. Home and away is BYU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Kansas. Somehow KU avoids Allen Fieldhouse. That is a break for the – or no, was it the other way? It's, it's Iowa, Iowa State, State that avoids uh, Allen Fieldhouse. No, uh, Iowa State – rather, KU avoids going to Ames. Oh, is that – okay. I, it, it was one of them. I knew that. All right. Home only, K-State's going to Baylor, UCF, uh, or I'm, let me try that again. Home only. They're going to be playing at home only. Baylor, UCF, Oklahoma, TCU. Then they're going to, but not playing at home, Cincinnati, Houston, Texas, and Texas Tech. And I'm going to repeat something I said a couple of months ago that actually I like the challenge. K-State will be visiting all of the tough, the toughest places to play in the Big 12, even when it comes to a newcomer. BYU is going to bring the toughest environment of the four newbies, so they're going there. They're going to play at Hilton. They're going to play in Allen Fieldhouse. Gallagher-Iba, we'll see how tough it is. Uh, WVU Coliseum is not an easy place to play. They're going there. And then away, they're going to Houston, and they're going to Texas, and they're going to Texas Tech. Those are going to be some tough road trips. Now, more of a breakdown. Um, The opener for the Cats will be at home against UCF on January 6th. A couple of road trips after that, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Second home game will be against Baylor. I did notice there are actually three spots in this schedule where K-State will play back-to-back road games. Looking at K-State women's basketball and the way their schedule is broken down, there's only one back-to-back road game spot in their schedule. They don't have three like the men. So I, I was thinking to myself, how would the coaches prefer that? Now, it probably has to do with every individual coach, but would you rather have the blocks where you got a couple on at home and then you're on the road for a couple and you have that once in a while throughout the schedule or would you like it when you just have one home and home and then one road road and you just you're a lot of back and forths all season what would you like Troy um I'm way too used to the back and forth the the road road home home setup just because of dealing with travel partners and yeah. and the like, you just got used to it. You knew that you would go out one week, 
you'd be at home the next week, for the most part. There were the occasional back-to-back weeks where you were out for multiple games, but it, it usually played out where it was alternated so that you had a breather and then you were back out. K-State will play five of the nine Big 12 home games on a Saturday. Fans will like that for sure, Yes, especially with a lot of fans traveling from all over the state to come in for home games. You'll have more opportunities to come in on a Saturday. Uh, the other four games will be played weeknights. There's a couple of big Monday games. Uh, the KU game is on February 5th. That is a Monday night. That'll be an 8 o'clock tip-off, so that'll be, of course, rowdy environment on ESPN. The back-to-back road games, there's three occasions, and um, meanwhile, K-State just twice will they play back-to-back home games. Uh, that, so. Man, like, when you stare at the – February through March, it, it's a that's a brutal stretch, especially when you consider one of those back-to-back aways is at Cincy, and then three days later you're at KU. That's a, t- that's a tough stretch. And that's like Texas, BYU – or at Texas – BYU at home, West Virginia at home, at Cincy, at KU for the last Big 12 game. Somehow, it always happens, Iowa State at home for the final Big 12 game. That's a tough stretch, man. That is a very tough stretch. A couple of other notes here. Everybody would like to know what games these, uh, what what channels yes. these games will be played on. How many online only, how many ESPN Plus games are there going to be out of the 18? Uh, so... K-State, out of the 18, will have 11 on the linear channels. Mm-hmm. ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, and then the other uh, seven will be Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. With K- with the Big 12 expanding, adding more teams, you're going to be playing a lot more conference games mm-hmm. on streaming only. I think just seven of the 18 getting streamed, is actually a pretty decent number. It could be worse. It could be a lot worse. And you have to remember that you know the TV slots become that much more limited because of the number of teams that you have until you add Fox to the mix next year where they begin to pick up some of the games. And also one other note here, K-State is going to have a bye week. First time in nine years. K-State men's basketball will have a bye week. It's between the road game at BYU on uh, Saturday, February 10th, and the home game against TCU on Saturday, February 17th. So K-State will now have a midweek game, first time since 2013-2014. Now when I look at the schedule, I try to pick out, all right, what is the toughest three-game stretch? Is there a three-game stretch in there that you're like, okay, we might lose sleep over this. This could be a huge swing on the season. I look through the schedule, I'm like, to be honest with you, I don't have a three-game stretch that stands out amongst the rest. The so K State will go on the road back to back and play at Iowa State and at Houston. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I were to pick a two game stretch, then I'm like, that might be a rough week. It's that one because you're mm-hmm. now going to be because Houston is going to be sold out. They're going to be a really solid team. And of course, it's it's Hilton Coliseum. I mean, Iowa State was a middle of the pack team last year. They made it to the NCAA tournament. They're not doing terribly right now, so they're going to draw some people. And it's going to be a Wednesday night game. It's going to be an 8 o'clock game. And then they're going to go to Houston and play at 11 a.m. And by the way, the BYU game, as you can imagine, it's going to be a late tip-off. It's also on a Saturday in Provo, Utah. Central time tip is 9 p.m. So K-State fans, 
It's right before Valentine's Day, so here's what you do. Mm-hmm. Saturday, February 10th, go out to an early dinner. Get Valentine's Day done. Don't you know? Don't wait for Monday or, I, or, or I whatever working. it is, Wednesday, whatever day working. it is. You know, treat that as like a big Valentine's Day celebration, and then you get ready for the cats and cougs in Provo. Nine o'clock tip. Bring some snacks. Bring some drinks. Yeah, it's gonna be a late one. Get your smooches in. Get your hugs in. Get, say hey, I appreciate you. I love you. Now move. Get out of the way, cats. Uh, because that is uh, there's no Valentine's Day game because again, like I said, that's the bye week mm-hmm. right there, the bye week. So, uh, but I tell you what, you're right. I you know closing out the year with West Virginia. I don't know how good Cincinnati is, but Kansas and Iowa State back to back will be intriguing. But again, there's not a three game stretch. I'm like Jesus Crow. That is a <laughs> brutal run. K State's going to open it up against UCF. That's not going to be a very good team. I was actually talking to Mark Daniels, their play by play guy. Um, before we recorded for Power Cat Game Day, and you heard the interview last week, of course, previewing UCF, he's like, it's going to take a while for UCF basketball mm-hmm. to get up to pace. Mm-hmm. Just hasn't been a good program for a while, but everybody else are, yeah. is going to be competitive. So did you, kind of hopping back to football, but an overall theme for UCF, did you hear some of the players when they were talking about, like, it, it was different? At this game, this game at K State was way well, different. Yeah, they played in front of fifty thousand people. I, I mean, they like they—that's <laughs> a big difference for sure. It's just that, like, out of the schools, they're definitely going to struggle. I think with a lot of sports, just like that difference of like this is big time here. You well, know? I think football, football—they're going to be fine. I, I, I think we all agreed heading into the season, UCF would make the best adjustment in year one. They're probably going to be the best. Of the three teams, and I was, you know, I was a bit hopeful for Cincinnati. You know, I'm not sure about Cincinnati right now. They're, they they do a terrible job I'm in the red though. zone. Like nobody yeah. on Cincinnati's team is going to go. Oh my God, fifty thousand! They've played in big games. That's what I would big, point. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is like, well, a lot the, of the players have not. I mean, a couple of, the the program. Yes, they also have a new head coach. I mean, that's a lot of guys that have not. It was a couple of years ago they were in the playoff. Right. I mean, a handful of them have played in big games. I I I think that they've had, they have more than UCF. I, I I just don't see. Hey, UCF won a national championship six years ago. All right, <laughs> yeah, the in one front the, of twenty thousand. The the program that wouldn't have that intimidation factor playing anywhere is going to be BYU because of the fact that they've played in such in such places. I mean, just. Look up down, you know. Look up the road when they play at Utah, so they know what the what the situation is. UCF is a different beast in that aspect. Yes, Cincinnati, yeah. There's going to be a learning curve there, absolutely for them. That uh, their basketball team, the lookout guys. That's too bad for you. <laughs> this is I, I can't. I want to see their schedule. I want to see what their schedule looks like and go. How you doing? Well, and and I want to go back to what we actually we had a long conversation about this two months ago, and that's when we learned about you know who everybody's going to play home and away, home only, road only. I still believe, and after looking at their schedule as well, the Kansas Jayhawks have been dealt the toughest hand. They have the toughest schedule ahead of them because they're home and away. Baylor, Houston, K State, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. But of course, you know they're away only. You have. Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and then they have UCF, and then their home onlys are against Texas, TCU, Cincinnati, and BYU. They love to have a lot of adjustment to that. They got dealt the toughest hand of anybody. 
Um, but again, K-State basketball officially will kick off their season with an exhibition on November 1st. That's a Wednesday against Emporia State at 7 o'clock at Bramblage Coliseum. And then the first regular season game, Monday, November 6th, Vegas, USC. Let's take our final break of the show. And when we come back, Jabroni of the Week. Joe Mouth, you Jabroni. You Jabronis hit the jackpot. The Hollywood Brown Jabroni, Hulk Hogan. Ow, is this Jabroni's name? Jabroni of the Week. Is this working? Oh, there it is. My microphone was not working for some reason. There, what it's the working now. Heck? We got to figure it out. I thought it was shorting out there for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to Jabroni, I actually had a little bit of fun here doing some uh, Big 12 men's basketball head coach trivia. So Scott Drew and Bill Self have been the longest tenured head coaches in in the Big 12, both since 2003. But who comes in second? And we're considering everybody now, even the four newcomers, who comes in second? Or I guess typically it's actually third because um, they're tied for Self and uh, Drew are tied for first, so who would be third on that list? Hmm. Now – you're you're counting the new guys. Counting everybody. Mm, God, I'm gonna say who's BYU's coach? Scott Piakowski? No, Mark, Mark Pope. Pope. No way. There's no way it's him. It's not. No. I I don't know. Is it? Uh, is it our boy? Is it the? Is it the guy from Houston? Kelvin Sampson. It is Kelvin Sampson. Oh! Kelvin Sampson, 2014. And then you have a couple of coaches that started in 2016. Jamie Dixon at TCU. And uh, uh, Johnny Dawkins from UCF. Oh, I remember that day. I remember that day. Oh, wow. Yeah, when they hired him. It was like sent shockwaves through college basketball. They go, Johnny Dawkins is in town. You better watch out. He's bringing a little Duke to UCF. Are you ready for some jabronis? I'm ready for some. I'm ready for more trivia. Oh, oh wait, you weren't saying Johnny Dawkins was a jabroni. Okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, according to some of his people. Um, all right, so three dishonorable mentions. I'll wrap her up with my official jabroni of the week. My first dishonorable mention: this poor guy, whoever's in um, Nitro. Yes, that's the UCF mascot, Nitro. Oh, you saw First it. Of all, you saw it happen. I actually did not see it happen, but people were telling me about it. I saw it. So um, it was hilarious. First of all, I love UCF's mascot. It's a great one. Even has a sword. He can whip around. Yeah, you know? he looks tough. Well, there was at one point Willie took that sword away from him, <laughs> uh, right in front of the student section. So not a good start there for old uh, Nitro. And then when the team is running out out of the tunnel after K State did. I was told, okay, so give us the breakdown, Troy, if you solved that. The, the breakdown is that he's running alongside of the yell leader that's carrying the flag as they come charging out of the locker room. And at about the 10-yard line, the turf monster got him. Oof. So nobody... He, he, tripped and ate it. Nobody just, touched him. Okay, that's what I thought. tripped and ate it. Somebody said he got pushed. No, but he, I, he tripped and ate it. I saw him go down. I didn't actually see like how it happened, but I saw him tumble. I was like, oh my god, he ate it. (laughs) Nope, just fell over. And then afterwards, he and Willie are just hanging out and Willie crushed him in rock, paper, scissors. Yes. I mean, just crushed him. Bad night. (laughs) Bad Bad night night overall for everybody. And of course, the Knights lose. (laughs) Dude, I don't know if I can go Jabroni, though. 
falling down is embarrassing, man. But we've all done it. Well, we've, well, the I, duck at Oregon lost his head. Oh, I saw that when he was beating up that claw. At least the head didn't come Dude. off. Dude, I listen as a member of the band, and in the old days, coming down the hill from Veneer. Oh, dude. Yeah, I've seen people eat it hard a number of times, <laughs> My including next- a sousaphone player. <laughs> Troy, um, you may want to leave the room for yeah. this one. My next dishonorable mention. Garbage! Denver Broncos defense giving Garbage. up 70 points to Tua Tungavailoa and Skylar Thompson and the, Denver, the, uh, the, the Miami Dolphins. 70 to 20, the final score. Most Garbage. points allowed in a game since 1966. Oh, thank you, Raheem, by the way, uh, for providing me 45 points in my fantasy team. <laughs> well, and the funny part is, like, the Dolphins had a chance to kick that field goal and set the record. 73 points would give them the record for most points in a game by one team. Mm-hmm. And they decided to take it in instead, and the, the Dolphins fans booed them. Yeah, was, dude. They're... The, the former Broncos ball boy from Greeley, Colorado, elected not to kick the field goal. Mike McDaniels is a Shanahan guy. Has been for a long new has known Kyle for forever in a day. Fourth team in regular season ah. history, or uh, fourth team in NFL history, more regular trivia. season or playoff to score 70 points or more in a game. Dude, and did you see any of the game at all? I mean, no, they, they no. just at will. They no, thank the you, WIBW. Oof, a red zone. Every five I know, seconds I know. it just popped up. My last dishonorable mention is going to go to Alabama State player Jacob Freeman. So this is at the end of them losing to Florida A&M. And Alabama State's on the road. The fans are talking. And one of the players in Jacob Freeman decided to go over to the fans and start talking some trash. And, well, a security guard stepped in between the fans and this player. Well, the player, Jacob Freeman, decided to sucker punch the security guard. What? Yeah. Tagged him in the mouth, and the and the security guard. He's selling it. He's covering his mouth. He's hurt, but he doesn't fall to the ground. So it wasn't a total sell or anything. It sounds like this Alabama State player is officially off the team. His bio has been completely erased from their athletic website. He is nowhere to be found after this sucker punch. Wow, man, that's but, messed up. But finally, my jabroni of the week is going to go to. Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman. <laughs> You're two plays away from beating Ohio State at home in a 14-10 game if you could just make a goal line stand. <laughs> well, for those final for those final two plays, they had 10 players on the field. And then his excuse for not having an 11th player on the field is like, "Well, we we wanted to we wanted to run a, a, another defensive lineman out there for the final play, but we just didn't want to take a penalty. penalty. Yeah, my thought is though, I mean you're at the one yard line. You're gonna you, you're gonna lose a foot. Yeah, dude. if you take a penalty, if you're it, late it's running the last play, play. Yeah. it's going to be the same just play. Say we stunk it up. The final play was a run right up the gut. Come on, just say it. That yeah, is completely butchering the end of a football game. So Oof. Marcus Freeman. Had a chance to stay undefeated and beat Ohio State at Touchdown Jesus, but you lose the game 17-14. I got to give Marcus Freeman my jabroni of the week. Does that have anything to do with the fact that you picked Notre Dame to beat Ohio State? That was actually a push. Yes. Because Ohio State was minus three, and I did take Notre Dame, but it was a push. No win, no loss. So we're good. Money back. And if you play blackjack, you know that's a victory. That's a victory. That's right. We're on for a full two hours tomorrow. Not D.Y. What? Mason Voth from Case in a Line is going to join us for a couple of segs. God. And we'll bring you a full two hours tomorrow with the whole crew. We're going to hear some stories from Travion as well about his latest journeys to some uh, festivals. For AJ, D, Troy, and Mitch, go Cats.
After these words, 